Hello, it is Sunday, March 21st. Sorry about that. I am Trent Ryan-Smith, and this is another edition of the Almost Daily Kamana MMA podcast. First things first, let's get a brief UFC Vegas 22 wrap-up, and start off with Bruno Da Silva. Um, Bruno Da Silva was, was surprisingly, at, after watching the fight, was the underdog in his matchup against J.P. Buys and just dominated the fight. Um, very good striking. That was the most impressive part of uh, Silva's game was his striking. It was his first win in three tries, so I don't want to get too hyped about about him, but he is training with Henry Cejudo, so that's a plus. And if you look at fights and consider fights, and as we know in the UFC, this is how the matchmakers consider things. If you're only as good as your most recent outing, well, Silva is very good then. So, like I said, I'm not too hyped about him because it's his first win in three tries in the UFC. But he was the underdog in this fight, and he did dominate. Montel Jackson, biggest favorite on the card. Uh, His opponent, Jesse Strader, did not deserve... To be blunt, is not a UFC quality yet, so it was a gimme for Jackson, and, and he did what he was supposed to do. Um, Grant Dawson looked good in his drop, uh, his weight class drop, I, and so his finish, late finish, was impressive, 459 of the third, um, which tells you that he is not going to stop. He's always going to go for, for the finish always going to look for an opening and that's what you want to see in a fighter someone who even till the the last horn sounds is looking to close the deal finish the fight get a stoppage and not just a decision so that a big plus for Dawson on that uh, Macy Ch- Chase on I liked what I saw here and I'm gonna say that I was impressed with what I saw she's still a, a work in process and she really needs to, and, and I think this was something that she knows, she really needs to know, learn how to use her disc, her length a little better. She tried it in the first round, which is a plus. It didn't work out so well. I mean, she, she was okay with it, but she was a little slow, I think, and that allowed her opponent to get inside and tag her. Um, and, and she got off of that in the second round and did better because she was more aggressive. So I think the goal of her gym, and I think she uh, trains at Fortis, and I, and I believe this will be a good, that's a good spot for anyone, especially someone who's looking to develop. So I think if they can work with her and get a little more of both of those things in, in one, but really, really get her comfortable with using her length, I think she will be very, very good. Um, like I said, she started off trying to use it, but still not entirely comfortable with that. And I think that hurt her a little bit in the first round. She got away from it later, and she won the fight. Uh, Tuavasa was fighting someone he shouldn't have been fighting, so that was not a surprise. Um, Adrian Yanez was, to me, the biggest surprise. Not surprise so much, but... Uh, the best um, effort, and he was rewarded with a with a performance of the night. So bantamweight 
is looking like very is looking very good, very good and very deep all of a sudden. Um, so Adrian Yanez, his striking was awesome. Um, the thing to watch though is he was a almost entirely counter strikers, and so for some reason Lopez did not did not try to wrestle him, and he also knowing he was getting tagged on the counters, he impatiently led. And I don't know why you would, I don't know why he did that. I think maybe it was uncomfortable, the waiting. I know that can get to some, some folks. If you're waiting for your, um, your opponent to strike and it's not coming, you almost feel, I think, almost feel forced to lead the dance. And I think that kind of is what happened to Lopez. So, what I want to see from Yanez is what happens when someone doesn't lead, when someone a little more experienced and a little more patient and a little less eager to impress gets in there against him. Is it going to be a snooze fest or are we going to see a, um, a different a different angle of, uh, of Yanez? And I don't know. I don't know. So what I saw on Saturday was impressive, but... You know, you could see a, a real snoozer if if someone does not lead. And so we'll see how that goes. Um, the Mon- Montserrat, uh, I won't try to, I'm going to mess up her first name. I'm not going to try her last name. And Bai's fight was weird. Um, Montserrat was just too strong, held her down. I don't know what happened after whether it was just words or more, but we'll see how that all shakes out. Not a great fight. Montserrat did what she needed to do, which was bully her way in and then get the get the headlock and, and hold it on the ground. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with her with someone a little stronger and a little uh, more well-rounded, but... She's definitely strong and can definitely impose her will, but to what point is the question there? Uh, Max Griffin took advantage of being moved up to the to the main event. I'm sorry, co-main event when the Gregor Lisp, Gillespie, Brad Riddell fight fell off the card. Uh, Griffin and Song Kanan was a good matchup, something to look forward to. I mean, not co-main event quality, but Griffin took advantage of the spot that he was placed in. And just nasty, nasty knockout. Um, after the fight, he asked for a matchup with Jeff Neal. And I, I, I'm I, going to think he's probably going to get that because Jeff Neal has had a hard time getting opponents. People just don't want to fight him. He's, in, he's one of those high-risk, low-reward positions at number 11 in the division. But if Griffin's willing to step up and, and fight him and Neal needs a fight and wants a fight, that's one to make, and it will probably be a pretty exciting fight. The main event did not turn out as I'm going to guess the UFC wanted. And Derek Brunson just out-wrestled Kevin Holland. And that's it. That's the, that's the long and the short of it. Um, Holland had his moments, but once Brunson was able to get the takedowns and he got 6 of 12, Holland had no uh, no great defense for the takedowns, and he didn't do much when he was on his back either. 
So Brunson just showed him that, you know, you might think you're ready for the top of the division or even the top 10 in the division, but you you got a long way to go. Um, so we'll see what happens with Kevin Holland there. We'll see what happens with Derek Brunson as well. Brunson's been in the UFC longer than Holland's been fighting. Um, he's had an up-and-down career. Uh, he, right now he's serving as kind of an executive-level gatekeeper. He's stopped Edmund Shabazian last fight, and now he's now he beat Holland. I think maybe you give him a shot against who he requested, which was Paul Acosta, and see where the chips fall there. All in all, um, a decent card. Probably not what ESPN had wanted for an ESPN fight card, um, especially since the only fight that folks were really looking forward to was the main event with the uh, with the with the Gillespie and Rodolf fight falling off. Griffin and Sankanan did a nice job filling in in the co-main event, but all in all, you know, it wasn't the best card. I don't think it's going. To if you were a casual fan and you tuned in, I don't think you're you're going to make the next ESPN card a must-see. But, I mean, this is what we're getting now, and so hardcore fans got to get used to it. I don't think you pick up any fans at all with this event, but we'll see what happens. But like I said, Brunson did what he needed to do, taught Holland a big lesson, and the fighter to watch coming out of this is um, is Yanez. The second fighter to watch out of this, I would say, is uh, Chason to see how she develops and, and can um, put her length together with her speed and aggression. And if that happens, you should probably watch out for her. As she can probably do some, some good things in the division. Let's talk about the main event a little more. Specifically, let's talk about how Dana White handled the main event. We saw that, I saw some footage that he got disgusted with, uh, I'm going to guess, Holland's performance and got up and walked out of the uh, arena. I think it was during the fifth round, but um, I think that was childish. And I think what White said after the fight was asinine in more ways than one. But here's what he told um, Yahoo Sports, speaking of, of Kevin Holland. I think that was a mental breakdown. The only other thing I saw like it was in boxing when Lennox Lewis fought that guy who kept his hands at his side and was crying. I don't know what he was doing. I think he might not have been able to handle the pressure and just broke mentally. I haven't seen anything like that. that none of that happened. None of that happened. That's White um, trying maybe to pump Holland's tires a little bit more than, than need be. Uh, what happened was he wasn't ready for the wrestling of Derek Brunson. There was no mental breakdown. Which, let, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Dana White is not a doctor. So maybe don't, don't uh, you know, put your whatever education you have to play and say that the guy had a mental breakdown. That's not something you do. You don't. You don't do that. Um, you know. You don't. You don't say someone had a concussion because you're not a doctor. You don't say someone had a mental breakdown because you're not a doctor. Especially, you don't say something that a guy had a mental breakdown when there is, you know, he just lost. He just lost. 
And that, that's okay. That's fine. People lose. Israel Adesanya just lost. It was his first loss. Holland's lost before. Lost before in the UFC. So he just got beat by the better fighter. That's, that's it. Black and white. No gray area here. He wasn't ready for the wrestling. He wasn't ready to get up off his back. He was overconfident. And Brunson taught him a lesson. That's it. That's all. So White saying anything is just stupid. And I know that White didn't sign Holland off the contender series because he thought he had a big mouth. Well, he's obviously come around on him and, and is now is trying to boost him up and promote him. Uh, and things didn't go the U, Dana White in the UFC's way. They didn't go Kevin Holland's way. But to to overthink this is just dumb. He didn't have the wrestling chops. So you go fix those wrestling chops. And now here's now I'm done speaking about the stupidity of Dana White, and I'm going to talk about um, my feelings on the fight. I know Holland is going to get a shit ton of grief about this because he talked mm, for a lot of the fight. He just ran his mouth, which is Kevin Holland's thing, which is what the which was why which was how the UFC kind of promoted him through this whole build up to the fight was that he was a talker and, you know, trash talker and blah, 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 and all that jazz, which is fine, fine, because he is, but underneath that, he is a talented fighter. You don't win five fights in a year without having some skills. Is he a top-level talent? I don't know. And this is the thing we're going to find out. Kevin Holland got taught a lesson. The lesson wasn't don't run your mouth during the fight. I don't care about that. That's To me, that's meaningless. We've seen fighters do that for years and years. Some can do it. Some can't. Some win with it. Some don't. The Diaz brothers win with it more often than not. Bobby Green wins with it pretty well. Kevin Holland won with it up until this point. So it's not that he has to stop talking trash before and during the fights and I don't I don't think he should what I think he should do is shore up his wrestling and that's what I'm going to watch I'm not going to watch for him to get you know more focused in some ways I am and, and but he I do think if he wants to Kevin Holland can be a entertainer and a top level fighter as it stands now, he's an enter after this loss, I think is what it stands. If he wants to break into the top of the division, he's going to have to decide if he wants to be an entertainer and a top-level fighter because I think he can do both. Or does he just want to be an entertainer? If he just wants to be an entertainer, that's fine. His career probably won't be as lucrative. It probably won't be as long, but it will be fun to watch. But if he decides that, all right, Derek Brunson taught me this lesson and I'm going to take away from this lesson that I have to get better at my wrestling and then I have to get better at getting off my back. That's all he needs to take away. If he can if he can focus on that and keep and keep running his mouth and improve that part of his game, then I think he becomes that fighter, the one who can trash talk before and during and after fights and become a top-level talent. But he's got to focus on that. He's got to want to improve. If he's just going to be the guy that runs his mouth, again, fine. 
but he's not going to move up the rankings. So the thing to watch here is not Kevin Holland changing his personality, because why change your personality if you don't really need to? But Kevin Holland focusing on what he got exposed from in this fight. Now he knows. Now he knows. If he wants to get to the top, he's got to be better in these things. And that's what I want to watch. He's going to take shit for the trash talking. And I think he knows that. And he's already kind of indicated that he's not going to change his personality, which I am fine with. But I do really want to see him change his training, change his focus on, on what he needs to work on and work on those things. And if he fixes that, great. If he doesn't fix that, I think we've seen the heights that Kevin Holland can, can attain, and that is just outside um, the top of the division, which is fine, but not great, not great. And I think Kevin Holland wants to be a little better than okay. So I expect him to, to get better in his wrestling and his takedown defense and his overall game. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. So we'll see what happens with, with Kevin Holland and his future. Um, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is kind of embarrassing himself these days. It was... So, it seems as soon as Habib Nurmagomedov's retirement became quote-unquote official, which I'll have something to say about it, that later, McGregor decided now was the time he was going to uh, show his ass on Twitter and show his ass he did. Um, he, he tweeted a bunch of stuff, you know, mocking Nurmagomedov, which was dumb and wrong and lacked any kind of context or self-awareness. Um, and he's just now, he's just kind of becoming the guy, becoming the guy that um, talks trash after he's, you know, a block and a half down the street, and you and, and then, then he comes back with the witty comeback. Not to your face, but after he's walked away, then he screams it at you. I, that's kind of what the feel I get here. From McGregor, especially with this tweet, eight KO TKOs across thirty fights equals zero power. Don't forget it, Teddy Bear. Let's not forget also that Nurmagomedov knocked McGregor down and then forced him to tap. So I don't care how you win if you have zero knockouts in thirty fights, but you're choking people out and beating the hell out of them on the ground. That's pretty impressive. Never lost. Never really got threatened. UFC champ beat this dude to the point where a rematch was ridiculous to consider. But yet McGregor's out here talking all that trash. We need to add a little context to these things he, he, he's bragging about, I think. And I'm not going to shit on McGregor because he is a great fighter. I'm just saying this is a one, you know, when, when someone's pumping themselves up, let's look at the big picture. And the one where he said is, you know, how, you know, best best I felt, 170, best record won, 145, best performance, 155. What does this tell me? And then he has a bunch of pictures. Well, let's also, also not forget, if you're considering this as boxing, over the past five years, five years, McGregor is three and four with three stoppage. Well, all four of his losses are stoppage losses. So 
three and four over five years is not a record to you know pump your chest over but mcgregor is so i don't really have a issue with mcgregor i think like i said i think he's a good fighter great sometimes the poye fight showed that he is perhaps um, believing in his physical gifts a little too much but he can recover and we'll see what happens if he does recover from that um, very talented very talented no doubt but i think he lacks self-awareness and i think he's followed by a bunch of yes men and i think people maybe need to knock him down a few notches to get him back into the game and get him back to performing where he could be and should be so we'll see how that shakes out but i don't really have any kind of hatred for conor mcgregor i just don't like people who don't see their flaws and ignore them and don't try and improve on them and that's what i'm seeing here from conor mcgregor um what bothered me, one of the things that bothered me about the UFC's broadcast and has been bothering me since the uh, late night announcement of Dana White taking that L from Habib's retirement is that the UFC seems to be painting that as McGregor, I'm sorry, as Nurmagomedov uh, has just officially retired. But he never gave any indication that he was going to come back. He's been retired since October. The only change was that Dana White finally accepted it. And so White, with his inability to take a loss and believe that he can do whatever he wants and, and people will do his bidding, paints it as a, well, now he's officially retired. Now he officially retired. That's not the case. And this is another incident of where the UFC is going to try and script the narrative to make it look like it was, you know, in the right and that Nurmagomedov waited all this time to, to retire. And you can repeat a lie as many times as you want. It'll never make it true. So it's another uh, it's another attempt to build a myth. And it started with Paul Felder bringing it up early in the uh, fight card on Saturday where he said that Nurmagomedov finally made it official that he retired. Now, it's been official since October. And then it got repeated again that it was official um, during the Megan O'Leary post-fight interview. Again, no, it's been official since he retired in October. And... Nurmagomedov kind of made light of that in his interview with um, Megan Levy. He said, no, I never considered coming back, but Dana called this official. I retired like five, six months ago. It's very funny. Dana told me when he posted this, he said someone write me comment about, he retired not today, but retired like five months ago. It's funny a little bit, but we have had some conversations with Dana a couple of times, like two days ago. We met with him, sit, talk like two real men. We have a very good conversation with him, good dinner. Nurmagomedov never led anyone on that he was going to come back. So he took some free dinners from Dana White, added, you know, bulked up, and now the free dinners seem to be over. And White has come to the conclusion that um, this dude is not coming back. Money doesn't interest him. He maybe has uh, some personal stances that are a lot stronger than most people White deals with. And so instead of just saying, I was wrong, um, He's not coming back. I tried my best. White instead says, well, now he's officially retired. It's a chump move. It's kind of a punk move. But White, we know, can't take a loss. So he spins it his way. Makes him look like, you know, I was just waiting for him to come back. And now he changed his mind. Now it's official. It's been official since October. Nurmagomedov's stance has never changed. 
White embarrassed himself, embarrassed the UFC, held up the lightweight division. Uh, Dustin Poirier should be the champion right now, but that's not the case. All because of Dana White's hubris and, and thinking that he could get a man to come out of retirement with money and nothing else. Well, didn't happen. So White looks like a chump, but still tries to change the narrative. And if we're still talking about, uh, if I'm still talking about UFC in five or ten years, this will be something that will be talked about. It's another. It's going to be another Zufa myth. Remember that time that Habib Nurmagomedov held up the lightweight division for months and months and months and then finally retired? Yeah, that's not how it happened. But that's how Dana White wants you to think it happened. Don't buy it. Repeating a lie doesn't make it the truth. And with that, I'm going to close it out. I should be back tomorrow. Until then, everyone stay safe.